Welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Exploring alternative investment opportunities available to the everyday investor. Here's your host, Ben Lakoff. Hello and welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Today's interview is with Carter Malloy of AcreTrader. You might recognize Carter from the podcast. I had him on in September 2020. So this is a recurring theme. I'm having a lot of this previous guests on again. And with all of them, especially this one, a lot has happened since then. September 2020. This is bananas that it's almost two years. With Carter, an acre trader, this is investing in farmland. So something that was very interesting to me then as an asset allocator and still interesting to me now. So this episode is all about investing in farmland and more details specifically on what acre trader is doing more allowing investors to access this previously inaccessible asset class of farmland that might be very, very interesting for asset allocators. Before you listen, please don't forget to like or subscribe to the podcast. All of these things very much help. Send it to a friend if you find value. I really, really appreciate it. All right. Enjoy this episode with Carter of AcreTrader. Carter, welcome to the Alt Asset Allocation Podcast. Good to see you again, sir. Thanks, Ben. It's nice to be back. Yeah, it's been a long time. So episode seven, which was published on September 2020, but that meant that was probably recorded in June or July 2020. So we've come a long way since then. That was early pandemic days and, you know, we're still dealing with it, but, you know, here we are. Really, really excited to be here. And, and yeah, it's a lot has happened for, for you and me both. So really Really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you again. Yeah, man. We had this episode before, so highly encourage my listeners to jump on that episode seven. I thought it was a really good one about going over the benefits of investing in farmland. We'll cover a lot of that on this one as well and and you know, give you the opportunity to talk about what's going on with AcreTrader because you've raised substantial funding since then, grown substantially. It's a very different company than it was two years ago. But before we get into all of that, let's just do a, a brief overview of who you are and what you're doing with AcreTrader. So, so AcreTrader is a farmland investing platform. We allow individuals to come on and invest, individual accredited investors to come on and invest as little as $10,000 into US and now Australian farmland, as well as other land assets like timberland and a few others to come. We are really excited about land for a number of reasons that I'm sure you and I will, will talk about. Uh, and, and the investors are as well. But I think the, the problem that we solve and the problem for me was that I'd individually been buying and selling land, grew up in a farming family and was, was buying and selling farmland with my dad and had friends who wanted to, but uh, it's really, really hard to do, right? It's, it's technically difficult. It's usually in the middle of nowhere where most people have, have not been and managing that farm is hard. And oh yeah, by the way, putting up real capital to go buy a farm is also difficult. So we built this platform to make make investing in land very easy. So with it, with a few clicks and a few minutes, an investor can add land to their portfolio and, and diversify their holdings. Yeah, and big fan on this channel about talking about previously un, more difficult asset classes being a little bit more attainable. Still is accredited investors only, which which is kind of a shame. But you know that's a whole another conversation about the accredited investor law. But we'll stay out of that. But more importantly, farmland. This Prior to that last conversation, you know, I think we talked about it, but my grandfather, my mom grew up on a farm, like farmland was this thing that I didn't know much about, but now 
Bill Gates is the number one owner of farmland in the US. Like it, it, it deserves a second look. Let's just start off with why farmland investing from your perspective. We, we see a lot of interest in farmland investing for a couple of reasons. I'll, I'll uh, bullet point here. One is historically consistent returns where it has put up, call it low double digit, like 11% type of annualized cumulative returns. So nothing like <gasps> gasp huge, but it has done that, which is roughly in line or with the S&P with, with stocks, but it has done so with far less volatility than other similarly returning asset classes. So the consistency of returns over time, through including through some recessionary environments, has certainly been a something that attracts people to to, to farmlands that, that historically lower risk and higher return profile. Another another thing that brings po- folks interest in the farmland is diversification. It doesn't really tend to be correlated. It doesn't move with other asset prices, as we've seen as example. You know, crypto. We, we you and I talked a little bit before the show has shown some real diversification with with broader indices. But over decades and decades of history, farmland tends to just beat to the march of its own drum. So portfolio diversification is obviously something that many or most of us as investors. Another reason is inflation. So it has historically shown the one KPI or one economic indicator that has shown real correlation to has been inflation. And and to, to that point with CPI and PPI, both indicators of inflation, it has been correlated a little more than gold, actually. So pretty, pretty fascinating from that standpoint. And then lastly, and perhaps a really fun part of our platform is, oh yeah, by the way, you get to invest in American farmland and support a farmer and be a, be a part of their business growth. And so it's a really exciting piece of our business to, to have that, that within your portfolio, to have, have that type of growth, where as, as many people know and listening and viewing here today know, uh, we're running out of land. We, we have less land physically every minute than we did the minute before. And we have more and more mouths to feed. Yeah. And I'm just going to share. So for people listening, this but there, there's a, a chart on acretrader.com slash investors that I think is quite good. So this demonstrates like the different returns across different asset classes from 1991. But like farmland has just been very, very consistent. And actually this whole page is is quite good and just demonstrates why farmland might be interesting from an investor perspective. So kudos to to you guys for putting that together because it answers a lot of the questions. I think I think it's worth kind of double clicking on the inflation portion. So this is being recorded end of June 2022 and inflation is hot on everybody's minds. And you brought up multiple times that uh, farmland could serve as a good, or historically has served as a good inflation hedge. Can we just talk a little bit more about how that works? It's pretty simple in that we, farmland produces goods that tend to be components of inflation, right? So food, fuel, and fiber come off of the land. And, And so there's just this tends to be a fairly direct direct link between the commodities that are produced on farmland and, and ultimately over over time the rents that that farmland produces because the revenue is growing should be growing alongside those commodity values and the value of that land itself alongside its rents yeah that makes sense i mean bear market people probably aren't going to stop eating anytime soon also a pretty pretty good one although i do intermittently fast now and supposedly it's very good for you and that is stop eating at, at it's times terrible i tried that <laughs> one that was the worst thing that was the worst day yeah it's good for you you know maybe i'll live forever maybe i'm just inconveniently skipping breakfast and drinking an absurd amount of coffee 
We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Ask me again in 80 years. So with, with Farmland, like lots of positives. This is with AcreTrader primarily focused on, if, if not exclusively focused on US farmland. So it begs the question of like risks of farm of food production going abroad for investors or higher prevalence of lab grown meat or, or like less reliance on US agriculture land as we know it. How do you think through those potential risks in terms of timeline or reality? I think ultimately there, there have been and, and should remain very material, secular and cyclical trends behind farmland in that we, have, we continue to have more and more mouths to feed. Those mouths are demanding more and more calories, right? Look across emerging economies and protein consumption is still teeny, teeny, tiny, right? And, and so those alternative meats, by the way, are made out of soybeans or, or things we still grow on a farm. And, and so uh, there are lots of great solutions out there, necessary solutions to catch up with the fact that we will need to feed more and more, like dramatically more and more mouths every year. Right. And I think what, what you've seen over time is this, we have already had very material improvements in yield on a, on a per acre basis, right? Through, through genetics, through improved, well, first mechanization, then, then genetic improvements, uh, farming improvements, now precision farming. And so we're very big fans of the, the farm yield continuing to improve. It's just not enough. At, at the end of the day, we uh, food is becoming more and more expensive for a reason. In terms of getting exposure to farmland. I just kind of did a quick Google, but you know, it's buy and sell farmland yourself individually, these plots of land, like you did with your father early on, you have publicly traded REITs, and then you have crowdfund investment platforms. Are are these the main three categories? Yeah, I think so. There's also private equity funds, right? So if you've got Mm -hmm. a a million or plus to allocate, then there are some great funds out there, sometimes 10 million to allocate, but there, there are certainly some some good funds as well. And they're probably 30 or $40 billion at this point. Gotcha. For most investors, it, it would probably fall into the crowd fund, which is what you do, or like publicly traded. Pros of publicly traded, more liquid, bigger perhaps, but what, what are kind of the other positives of more liquid publicly traded REITs? There, there are positives and negatives with, with all of the above, including ours, right? And I think you've You've hit on a, a pretty material one, which is liquidity. With within the, the publicly traded stocks, you can go get liquidity very quickly. Inversely, they are part of exchanges and and often trade alongside other stocks, which is one of the things that we we like to be away from. But uh, but again, there there are a, a number of of great options out there to gain access to farmland. What what we are excited about providing is the ability to come in and gain access directly to and, and build your own portfolio of farmland through our platform and to work directly with our team that, that can help as opposed to, hey, here's a, a piece of paper to read. Like we, we've got real humans here that speak to you and, and help help ultimately our, our investor customers understand and dig further and further into the asset class, which is what we really like as a, an educated investor. Yeah, that's awesome. For, the, for an investor that's interested, I mean, I'm on your website, I go to like investments, you have a few different ones. So how, how should an investor think about different types of farmland as it pertains to one, their farmland investment allocation, but then in terms of like total asset allocation overall? So there's a number of third-party white papers out there that can discuss allocation and how much to, to put into it. We, we're not an investment advisor. We, we don't drive people on, on those types of decisions. 
And ultimately, I think it's very clear, but we're not here to say, sell your portfolio and buy all farmland, right? We, we think it can provide an interesting portfolio diversification. And in terms of the, the types of offerings that we do, <clears throat> it, it boils down into a few, and then I'll, I'll try to, to split apart. Mostly it is row crops and permanent crops. So row crops are things that grow and you plant every year. They grow in rows. You've seen these either flying over them or on a country road. And that's things like corn, soybeans, cotton, rice. And those crops are over time have produced less income, but more appreciation in the value of the land relative to the other primary crop type, which is permanent crops. So a, a permanent crop is something that you plant and it's a tree, as an example, we'll use an almond tree. It has a life of 23 plus years where it produces almonds each year, right? And so as the owner of that, you've got a little more commodity exposure and some depreciation of those trees working against you. But over time that is shown to produce a little more income and a little less appreciation due to the, the value of trees over long, long periods of time going down. So each of those have produced similar type of returns, call it low double digit IRRs over time, just in a little bit differing fashion. The third type of offering we then have beyond farms or, or things that grow food, fuel and fiber are things that grow land that grows trees. So we've, we've begun doing timber, timber offerings. I've got a couple of great folks on our team that help drive those efforts. We, we hired an incredible senior portfolio manager, Mark Foley, who previously managed over a billion of timber assets to, to bring forth. And we've, he's been working here since last year. We just started ramping up and offering those just this, this month, actually. So we're really excited to bring timber forward as well, which is a little different beast than the other two, but, but also a really fascinating asset class. Fascinating. And, and what kind of percentage of offerings on the platforms for row, permanent, timber, are they pretty evenly distributed? Timber is obviously new, but yeah, curious on the breakdown. We're a little heavier on row crops than the other two. It's where we cut our teeth. It's where most of us being here in the middle of the country grew up around. And so that's where we've, this is where we started as a company and we've expanded. So initially it was just row crops. Then we expanded into permanent crops. We've since done permanent crops in Australia and now doing timber. We'll offer a few other land types as we continue to grow. Cool. And then, so walk me through how the investment actually works. So minimum of 10K, what, what are the fees look like? liquidity, how is return derived? Just walk me through like, and obviously each of these deals probably are, are slightly different. So you can talk about those differences if need be, but just help me understand 10K into the platform. What, what does that look like? So that, that minimum investment, you know, again, usually anywhere from 10 to call it 25K. So offering by offering. So all the, these are very general statements, but generally the upfront fee is paid by the land seller. Who, who will work through our, our land brokerage division. So we, we like when we can make fees that were already in the transaction anyway, rather than charging, charging extra. Then through the life of that farm, we typically charge 0.75%, sometimes 1%. So a very low annual asset management fee. We, we are big believers in the world is headed to low fee anyway. And so we've, we've built our platform with, with that in mind. And with scalability, ultimately, is, is the goal for us as a business. So it's fee structures in terms of liquidity. Usually deal terms are three to five years, five to 10 years, even 10 to 15 sometimes. We are looking for long-term investors that are here to, to invest for the long-term. That is the nature of the asset itself. That being said, after a one-year minimum lockup period, if you, Ben, say, hey, I've purchased this and I, I actually want to go resell it, we're fine if you go 
sell that to your neighbor or to your friend or through another platform. And then we actually have, have built the technology for our own secondary platform within our business and uh, hope to launch that pending some bunch of approvals and work and appraisals and fun, fun, fun back office stuff like that. So, but it is something where we are really excited to bring that forward as soon as possible. Fascinating. In theory, that would mean that after the one year I can exit, have a little liquidity on those, on, on whatever investment there is. Should, should you need to, that that's correct. Though, again, we, we, we prefer for you to, to stick around and invest for the long term. Yeah. So the fees are pretty clear. And, and again, like reiterating long-term mindset with all of this, like three to 15 years is long, long maturity, but it is nice to have that liquidity option. How, how is return generated? So obviously with crops, there's like the, the yield each year, but do you get exposure to the underlying land appreciation? So just walk me through the, the return as, aspect. I knew there's a third part of your question that I forgot. Sorry, man. It's all right. Uh, I, I put like 20 of them together. So <laughs> that, that's correct. So investors can make money two ways. Typically one is through appreciation in the underlying land and the other is through income. So the income can be either rent from, from a, a row crop farmer as an example. It can be a revenue share, like selling apples and, and having a, a share of the revenues coming off of there. It could be from selling the trees if you're growing timber on a, on a, on a, a timberland investment. So there, there's potential for income from, from that. And then there's also the potential for appreciation in the underlying land. So usually the way that it works is you, the investor, own part of an LLC through our, through our platform. That LLC then holds title to the land, right? So, so you are, through that LLC, are exposed to the appreciation. So after a period of time that land goes out and is sold, then you receive the, the proceeds back from that. So, and, and we, have, we have completed several of those types of transactions where we've had a, a full cycle on land and have paid investors out beyond what we had hoped and expected for. Awesome. Those are always positive surprises for investors. A few questions here. So do you do the offering? Like, I don't want to speculate on land. I just want crop yields, just that portion, not exposure to both of those. Do you do offer one without the other, or it's always kind of a package deal? Not yet. It's a package deal so far. There, there are certainly other, other ways to get exposures one or the other, but we find that frankly, most investors do want exposure to the land itself. Yeah, I would think so. I'm just, I, I don't know what real estate, farmland real estate has done over the past, well, two and a half years since, or two years since I talked to you, but I would imagine it's up and to the right, like most every other asset class. I mean, farmland in the US without like the, the crop yields up substantially over the past 20, 30 years. Yeah, over 20, 30 years, certainly. But as we were discussing earlier, that kind of slow and steady wins the race, right? So it's been a fairly consistent performer over that time period. I think, you know, in the last couple of years, it has performed well, certainly. I think you could point to most major assets and say they have outperformed and and farmland was starting from a lower base. So I don't know that we've seen mean reversion yet in in terms of the the long-term performance curve. For farmland, whereas we have seen you know material outperformance relative to the mean for most major asset classes, is this bad if all the investors buy up farmland and whether it be through crowdfunding or or privately individually, because it seems like it would be trending towards the farmland is unattainably expensive for the the people that are actually farming the land and they're like leasing it from this these investor groups. I mean, is that a bad thing for farmland in America overall? 
we we take the position of as long as we're helping the farmer grow, then that's a positive thing. And, that, and that's that's how we do most of the offerings that come to our platform. They come from a farmer that wants to grow their business and they know a neighbor that may be retiring or selling for whatever reason. And so we can go in that way. What I can say further is that I'm speculating here, but probably 95% of farmland transactions are being sold to another farmer, right? So you, you can look at the, the total amount of farmland in the United States is at this point, I believe over, over $3 trillion with a T. And professional investment groups make up one, maybe, maybe 2% of that. Well, Bill Gates is 600 million or something alone, right? right. So <laughs> he, he's like behind the decimal point in terms oh, of yeah. ownership. So, you know, a quarter million acres sounds really big until you realize it's part of hundreds and hundreds of millions of actual acres. And then, then you realize like, okay, that's big, but it's literally well, well behind the decimal point in terms of his, his ownership of land. And so the, you know, and compare that to shopping malls, which are like, 90% institutionally owned, right? Or retail centers or apartment buildings or sky rises or industrial centers, whatever that may be, Amazon fulfillment warehouses, those tend to all be very, very heavily institutional, majority often institutionally owned relative to farmland that's one or 2%. So if institutional participation doubles and then doubles again, it will still be relatively insignificant. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think, you know, institutional investors wanting diversification, it's a great asset class, like money presumably will start piling in and curious, playing that out a couple more stages, like what that looks like with AcreTrader specifically, when, so each property, each deal is an LLC, you're buying into that. What else, what else should my listeners know about like that process and behind the scenes? The process itself is very, for the investor is very simple. We've got a, you know, substantial software development team that has put together some, some pretty amazing software to walk you through that process, to become verified, to make the investments themselves. It's, it's pretty well point and click through, through our software. So the, the process is very easy. The documentation is fairly, if not very standardized. Those are always available and we, we urge people to read them. Super exciting legal docs, but, but we, we have, we've worked extensively with counsel around getting those as short as possible and as legible or as understandable as possible, right? And, and then beyond that, we have loads and loads of information and education on our website and our phone number is publicly listed. You can call us anytime. We've got a, a whole team of investor education specialists that live and breathe and eat land all day, every day, and would be thrilled to speak with you. Yeah, that's awesome. Legalese doesn't matter. It's still, it, but should read it. You know, it's, it's there for a reason. Going down that path a bit, you are a young company, you're well capitalized at this moment, but like thinking about crisis management, you invest in few, few of these deals, 15 year term, what happens if Acre Trader disappears? How, how is that dealt with? Yeah. So the great news is in, in those legal documents, there's an instruction set for, and has been there since day one of our business of here's what happens if these, these folks don't run their business well. So, so there, there is a literal instruction set to have those overseen by, by an outside firm. The management of, of those entities is, is through its own individual company, our, our wholly owned acre trader management company. And, and that is a well-capitalized business that produces real revenue. So there's, there's enough revenue in there to hire a team of people 
to oversee those farms. So, but, but again, while that concern is, is diminished, certainly for me personally today, we nonetheless want to spell it out in very clear terms for all investors to see. And I think that's why I point people to those legal docs is, as you can imagine, we've had lots and lots of lawyers and attorneys invest on our platform. And they, you know, we often get calls of like, hey, this is actually really friendly. We appreciate the way this is written. <laughs> that's awesome. That, I mean, that that's great. That's got to make you feel really good as a founder as well. You're like, this, I have you guys in mind. See, I told you, <laughs> like, this is what I'm saying. I think the fourth person on our team was an attorney, Elise Alexander, our general counsel. So she's nice. She's in- nice. So since we talked two years ago, I mean, you were one of the only teams in town working on this really. Now there's a few more competitors that have sprung up you know, similar offering. So I imagine you guys in the background are all fighting for deal flow, but uh, let's talk about some of your competitors and how they compare or differ. So we don't spend a lot of time thinking about them and that's not meant as an insult to those competitors, you know, and, and certainly we, we, the more people out discussing farmland and helping educate consumers, the, the better. So we're, we're not anti-competitive at all. I, I would say as a company, we've, I think we've done more and, you know, we've done well over a hundred offerings on our website. So I think we've, we've done far more than all those companies combined. So we, we don't, and we're friendly with those folks, but like, again, with a hundred billion dollars of farmland trading every year and, and countless assets out there being invested, what we are focused on is providing the absolute best experience we can to the farmers that we work with and to the investors that we work with on our website. And, and I think that ultimately is proven out with the, the size of the team we have, which is, you know, again, we're well over a hundred person company at this point, really focused on providing great outcomes. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a lot of knocking on doors and calling people, I would imagine, <laughs> especially if all of that farmland is just inherited from one person to another. It's not like they're putting a signpost out or listing it on any website when it's getting ready for sale. Yeah, I um, think that's, that, that's a worthy consideration, right? That we, we have... I think about deal flow, like we've invested material, like a material seven figure investment into being in front of farmers and landowners. And I think that that affords us pretty, pretty unique insights and, and look into the flow of opportunities out there. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you have to get ahead of these things. You've mentioned a few of them, but like, you know, two years of growth. Let's talk about some of like the key milestones that you've done since then, because they've been substantial. So when we last spoke, you and I last spoke, I think we were just under 10 people, something like that. Today, we're, we're well over 100. We had done a number of farms, but today we've done well over 100 there also. We have, since you and I last spoke, we've done three rounds of financing. It's been a little over $70 million of capital raised for the business itself to, to go out and, and grow our company. I can say comfortably that we have the extreme majority of that still in our bank today and so we, we run the business pretty conservatively. And to your point earlier, we do, we do plan on being here for the very, very long term. So I think, you know, and, and we've learned a lot, like we've, we've made, you know, countless, countless mistakes and we celebrate them loudly as a company. As, as we learn along the way, we try not to make mistakes that in, involve our customers, right? But, but internally, whether that's building software or trying new products uh, or, or uh, falling flat on our face and a number of other initiatives, including within HR and marketing, et cetera. Uh, but we're we're really really proud of the culture we've built. I think that's uh, a a word that I spent. We talked about earlier, but I, prior to AcreTrader, I spent a dozen years as a professional investor in in businesses, and 
I often heard this word culture get thrown around a lot. It's thrown around a lot. It sounds very corporate, but but in fact, it's the, what defines a business is the people that work within it. And uh, I think that's of, of all the milestones and misses along the way. The thing that I and we are most proud of is that I get to come to work every day and work with absolutely amazing people. That's incredible, man. Well, kudos to you. I mean, the culture comes, it's set from the top. So if you've got a great company culture and people are loving it and you're doing great things, you know, there's, there's some key driving force from the beginning. So kudos, kudos there. You've got an exciting future coming up. What, what excites you most about AcreTrader going forward or like, let's do like in the near ish term. We, we have built this suite of tools that allows us to evaluate land. So if you, if you can imagine this, our, the industry that we work in is, is so wildly old school that when a, a property comes in for review, quite literally, like we have to pull out paper sometimes and pull out paper maps and log into six different online systems and county courthouses and GIS systems and all the other weird acronyms to try to understand land. So we built a tool for us uh, today. It's got a substantial engineering and data science team behind it, led by a former data scientist from, from Bridgewater. And, and ultimately they built a tool for us to go understand land. And we are going to be giving that away soon. So we're going to give it away to the markets and try to bring a lot more transparency to what's going on out there for landowners and farmers and investors alike. Fascinating. So that would, that'll be its own product of like proper land, agricultural land valuation. That, that's correct. So whether you're wanting to look at, you know, how water is going to flow across the property and topographical maps, or look at the history from satellites, looking at how this thing has evolved over time to ownership records, comparable sales, and a host of other, like all the water problems and, and opportunities within California, as an example, all of it is there in one tool. So we're incredibly proud of it and really pumped to roll that. Fascinating. But that, that will be like a SaaS product sort of thing in and of itself. For, for professional users, that's correct. For for everyday landowners and, and investors, be free. Cool. And it, in top of funnel for people like looking to value their land, I guess they look straight to AcreTrader. Fascinating. That's yeah. that's that's really great. I'm I'm excited to see that. I I don't know if I'll use it, but I'll I'll certainly tinker around on it and see see what you've built, especially because you're you're as excited about it as you as you are. We've. We've covered a lot about farmland, acre trader. Is there anything that I'm missing that we should have covered? You know, I think we've talked a lot about, we talked, I talked about our team and the unique expertise of having a bunch of brilliant folks here in Arkansas with, with lots and lots of farming backgrounds. So that, that unique expertise helps. We've talked a lot about farmland investing. We've talked about the ease of using the platform. So no, I think we've, we've had a lot of the the important high notes here and, and why we're obviously incredibly excited to continue building our company. Yeah. Well, Carter, I mean, from 10 people, you've 10 plus X your, your, your head count there. I'm super excited to see the continued success of Baker Trader and yeah, very, very excited from the sidelines. Great to have you on today. Where can listeners find out more about you or about Acre Trader? Where would you like to send them? AcreTrader.com. Pretty easy to remember. Easy. Great to see you, sir. Thanks for coming awesome. on. Thank you so much, Ben. There you have it. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. Show notes, transcript, links, and more can be found on our website at altassetallocation.com. If you'd be so kind, please share this with anyone you think might be interested or get some value from this conversation. 
If you have any questions or comments, please reach out. I'm always happy to hear them. Lastly, if you're on YouTube, please like the video or subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please subscribe to the podcast and or leave a review. This really helps more people find the podcast, and I really appreciate it. Thanks again, and hope you have a fantastic day. Happy investing.